0: The Law School of America. Personal Circumstances. The legal fiction of the reasonable person is an ideal, as nobody is perfect. Everyone has limitations, so the standard requires only that people act similarly to how a reasonable person under the circumstances would, as if their limitations were themselves circumstances. As such, courts require that the reasonable person be viewed as having the same limitations as the defendant. For example, a disabled defendant is held to a standard that, by necessity, represents how a reasonable person with that same disability would act. This is no excuse for poor judgment, or trying to act beyond one's abilities. Were it so, there would be as many standards as there were defendants, and courts would spend innumerable hours, and the parties much more money, on determining that particular defendant's reasonableness, character, and intelligence. By using the reasonable person standard, courts instead use an objective tool and avoid such subjective evaluations. The result is a standard that allows the law to behave in a uniform, foreseeable, and neutral manner when attempting to determine liability. Children. One broad allowance made to the reasonable person standard is for children. The standard here requires that a child act in a similar manner to how a reasonable person of like age, intelligence, and experience under like circumstances would act. In many common law systems, children under the age of six or seven are typically exempt from any liability, whether civil or criminal as they are deemed to be unable to understand the risk involved in their actions. This is called the defense of infancy, in Latin, doli incapax. In some jurisdictions, one of the exceptions to these allowances concerns children engaged in what is primarily considered to be high-risk adult activity, such as operating a motor vehicle, and in some jurisdictions, children can also be tried as an adult for serious crimes, such as murder, which causes the court to disregard the defendant's age. Mentally ill. The reasonable person's standard makes no allowance for the mentally ill. Such a refusal goes back to the standard set in Menlove, where Menlove's attorney argued for the subjective standard. In the 170 years since, the law has kept to the legal judgment of having only the single, objective standard. Such judicial adherence sends a message that the mentally ill would do better to refrain from taking risk-creating actions, unless they exercise a heightened degree of self-restraint and precaution, if they intend to avoid liability. Generally, The courts have reasoned that by not accepting mental illness as a bar to recovery, a potentially liable third party, such as a caregiver, will be more likely to protect the public. The courts have also stated the reason that members of the public are unable to identify a mentally ill person, as they can a child or someone with a physical disability. Professionals When a person attempts a skillful act, the reasonable person under the circumstances test is elevated to a standard of whether the person acted how a reasonable professional under the circumstances would have, whether or not that person is actually a professional, has training, or has experience. Other factors also become relevant, such as the degree to which a professional is educated, for example, whether a specialist within the specific field, or just a general practitioner of the trade, and customary practices and general procedures of similar professionals. However, Such other relevant factors are never dispositive. Some professions may maintain a custom or practice long after a better method has become available. The new practices, though less risky, may be entirely ignored. In such cases, the practitioner may very well have acted unreasonably despite following custom or general practices. Medical professionals In healthcare, plaintiffs must prove via expert testimony the standard of medical care owed and a departure from that standard. The only exception to the requirement of expert testimony is where the departure from accepted medical practices was so egregious that a layperson can readily recognize the departure. However, controversial medical practices can be deemed reasonable when followed by a respected and reputable minority of the medical field, or where the medical profession cannot agree over which practices are best. Armed Professionals The reasonable officer standard is a method often applied to law enforcement and other armed professions to help determine if a use of force was excessive. The test is whether an appropriately trained professional, knowing what the officer knew at the time and following guidelines, such as a force continuum, would have used the same level of force or higher. If the level of force is justified, the quantity of force is usually presumed to have been necessary unless there are other factors. For example, if a trained police officer was justified in fatally shooting a suspect. The number of shots is presumed to have been necessary barring other factors, such as a reckless disregard of others' safety or that additional force was used when the suspect was no longer a threat. Inexperience. When anyone undertakes a skillful task that creates a risk to others, that person is held to the minimum standard of how a reasonable person experienced in that task would act, regardless of their actual level of experience. External circumstances. Factors beyond the defendant's control are always relevant. Additionally, So is the context within which each action is made. Many things affect how a person acts, individual perceptions, knowledge, the weather, etc. The standard of care required depends on the circumstances, but is always that which is reasonable. While community customs may be relied upon to indicate what kind of action is expected in the circumstances, these are not themselves conclusive of what a reasonable person would do. It is precisely for this wide-ranging variety of possible facts that the reasonable person standard is so broad— and often confusing and difficult to apply. However, a few general areas of relevant circumstances rise above the others. Emergency doctrine. Allowing for circumstances under which a person must act urgently is important to prevent hindsight bias by the trier of fact. A reasonable person may not always act as they would when more relaxed. It is fair that actions be judged in light of any exigent conditions that could have affected how the defendant acted. Available resources. People must make do with what they have or can get. Such circumstances are relevant to any determination of whether the defendant acted reasonably. Where resources are scarce, some actions may be reasonable that would not be were there plenty. Negligence per se. Because a reasonable person is objectively presumed to know the law, non-compliance with a local safety statute may also constitute negligence. The related doctrine of negligence per se addresses the circumstances under which the law of negligence can become an implied cause of action for breaching a statutory standard of care. Conversely, minimal compliance with a safety statute does not always absolve a defendant if the trier of fact determines that a reasonable person would have taken actions beyond and in excess of what the statute requires. The trier of fact can deem the defendant's duty of care met by finding that the statute standard itself is reasonable and the defendant acted in accordance with what its statute contemplated. Reasonable bystander. For common law contracts, disputes over contract formation are subjected to what is known as the objective test of assent in order to determine whether a contract exists. This standard is also known as the officious bystander, reasonable bystander, reasonable third party, or reasonable person in the position of the party. This is in contrast to the subjective test employed in most civil law jurisdictions. The test stems from attempts to balance the competing interests of the judicial policies of assent and of reliability. The former holds that no person ought to be contractually obligated if they did not consent to such an agreement. The latter holds that if no person can rely on actions or words demonstrating consent, then the whole system of commercial exchange will ultimately collapse. Prior to the 19th century, courts used a test of subjective evaluation, that is, the trier of fact determined each party's understanding. If both parties were of the same mind and understanding on matters, then assent was manifested and the contract was valid. Between the 19th and 20th centuries, the courts shifted toward the objectivist test, reasoning that subjective testimony was often unreliable and self-serving. From those opposite principles, modern law has found its way to a rough middle ground, though it still shows a strong bias toward the objective test. Promises and agreements are reached through manifestations of consent, and parties are liable for actions that deliberately manifest such consent. However, evidence of either party's state of mind can be used to determine the context of the manifestation if said evidence is reliable and compatible with the manifestation in question, though such evidence is typically given very little weight. Another circumstance where the reasonable bystander test is used occurs when one party has inadvertently misstated the terms of the contract, and the other party sues to enforce those terms. If it would have been clear to a reasonable bystander that a mistake had been made, then the contract is voidable by the party who made the error, otherwise, the contract is binding reasonable person standard for victims. Reasonable woman. Reasonable woman redirects here. For the SIA album, see SIA discography. Sexual harassment. A variant of the reasonable person can be found in sexual harassment law as the reasonable woman standard. The variation recognizes a difference between men and women regarding the effect of unwanted interaction with a sexual tone. As women have historically been more vulnerable to rape and sex-related violence than have men, Some courts believe that the proper perspective for evaluating a claim of sexual harassment is that of the reasonable woman. Notably, J. Scalia held that women did not have constitutional protection from discrimination under the Fourteenth Amendment Equal Protection Clause, where by extension of logic, held the reasonable woman standard to be of moot value. However, such has not been the majority opinion of the court. Satire Though the use of the reasonable woman standard has gained traction in some areas of the law, the standard has not escaped the crosshairs of humorists. In 1924, legal humorist A.P. Herbert considered the concept of the reasonable man at length in the fictional case of Fardell v. Potts. In Herbert's fictional account, the judge addressed the lack of a reasonable woman standard in the common law, and ultimately concluded that a reasonable woman does not exist. Lone me en The concept of l'homme me en does not speak of a reasonable person's ability, actions, or understanding. Rather it refers to the response of a reasonable person when presented with some form of information either by image or sound, or upon reading a book or magazine. A well-known application of the concept is Judge John M. Woolsey's lifting of the ban on the book Ulysses by James Joyce. That ruling contemplated the effect the book would have upon a reasonable person of reasonable sensibility. Similarly, when the publisher of Howell and Other Poems was charged in California with publishing an obscene book, the concept of lhomme mayon sans influenced the court's finding of innocence. It was nearly two decades after Woolsey that the U.S. Supreme Court set down the standard by which materials, when viewed by Lome Mian Sansuel, were judged either obscene or not. Generally, it has been Lome Mian Sansuel that has dictated what is and is not obscene or pornographic in books, movies, pictures, and now the internet for at least the past 100 years. Qualifications Very often, For instance, in the case of noise ordinances, the enforcement of the law is only for the purpose of protecting the right of a reasonable person of normal sensitivity. The Law School of America. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America